Welcome to Podcasting Stories, insights and interviews from people just like you, using podcasts to grow their business and share their message. Podcasting Stories is brought to you by your podcast team, where having your own podcast is as easy as being a guest on ours. Find out more at yourpodcast.team. Now, here's your host, Dave Spray. My guest today is Courtney Kranz. Courtney is a serial entrepreneur from Littleton, Colorado, who started his first business at just 17 years old. He's interested in exploring the value of a podcast for one of his businesses, a massage training school in Costa Rica. We used the podcast scorecard as an interview guideline, and the conversation turned into a consulting slash brainstorming conversation. Additionally, we went backstage and talked in specifics about how our podcast done for you service works. If you've been curious about our podcast service, but we're not ready for a phone call, this episode gives you a great behind the scenes look at the process. We also brainstormed a lot of ideas for guests and other ideas to make this podcast more successful. I hope you enjoy listening as much as I enjoyed participating. Hi, Courtney. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, David. Good morning. I uh, I believe that you are originally from two states north of where I grew up. I grew up in Nebraska, and am I right? Are you from two states north of there? Yeah, I'm up in North Dakota. Uh, I grew up in North Dakota in the northwest corner, about 60 miles from Canada, 20 miles from Montana. Oh, wow. Way up there with Arctic troughs. We come down to minus 40 below, occasionally 60 below. Yeah, so, so, so from there... Um, what made you decide to go uh, you know, relocate to the Rockies? Because I understand that you went to, uh, to college in uh, Montana, and then you, uh, you now live in Colorado. So uh, what was it about the mountains that made you want to move out there? Yeah, I did. Went to college for a couple of years in the Bozeman. And uh, yeah, I mean, I like to say every day in the, in the Rocky Mountains is a spring, spring day in North Dakota in the wintertime. So... <laughs> It just is like out of the mouth, you know. For all the years you've grown up in the in the cold and once you experience that nicer nicer climate, it's um I was looking for a way to uh to explore the world a little bit. I actually left North Dakota with a oil field service company and ended up being the director of training for that company and they located me in Colorado at the headquarters. And so that's really you know, it wasn't in the really intentional way I moving to Colorado, it was a company I worked for. Um headquarters was here, so I ended up in Colorado and that was uh you know, fine with me. Yeah. No, I understand. I uh so we moved to, to Texas when I was a teenager and have been uh, been here ever ever since. Uh but spent a lot of time in Colorado. And I try explaining it to people who are not from the upper Midwest and that it's hard for them to grasp that that going effectively, you know, straight west uh from where you are in gaining 5,000, 6,000 feet of elevation, that the temperature gets warmer. Uh, but it does, doesn't it? Because you've got <laughs> the mountains are, are blocking that, that Arctic uh, highway of 50 mile an hour uh, winds in the wintertime uh, is what seems to happen. Is, is that right? Yeah, I, I mean, in the sun, you know, the altitude gives the sun more power. Like in North Dakota, if it snows in October, it's the same snow blowing around. In, in, the, in the spring and here you know you can get a foot of snow and the sun comes out and and by late afternoon the driveway is dry so it's and uh you're running your air it's 30 degrees outside and you got your air conditioner on 
because right. the sun's hot, you know. So, yeah, I think this is the big difference of latitude and the and the power of the sun. Uh, well, good. Well, well, let's get into your uh, into your career. So, you seem like a classic serial entrepreneur to me. When I go to your LinkedIn profile, it seems like you've got all kinds of uh, ventures going on. Uh, so, which I mean in a complimentary fashion. Um, so can you tell me a bit about your current businesses and then maybe we can drill down into the one that we'll be uh, talking about that you're considering uh, a podcast for? Sure. Yes. I mean, yeah, I guess I'm considered a serial entrepreneur. I bought my first business when I was 17, traveled around to Indian celebrations and county fairs and sold hot dogs and hamburgers, snow cones and all that good stuff. And um, then I cut my teeth on a P&L at that age and learned a lot about hiring friends and not hiring friends. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, um, from there, you know, I grew up on a farm and ranch area. So there was, uh, you know, that's always ranching and farming is pretty entrepreneurial at the end of the day. You're taking a lot of risks. Sure. So yeah, I, from there I got into like trying to make some money on the side. I was going to raise pigs one summer and ended up, going to an auction sale to buy some pig feeders and I ended up buying uh, emus <laughs> and uh, started my emu and ostrich career for about four years. Okay. And <laughs> raised, uh, raised emus and ostrich and built a farm and had a boarding system going and went on to uh, herbs. I had an organic herb farm um, that had about 30 acres of irrigated herbs and that I had contracted out to some pharmaceutical companies. And, um, and that's about the time I started to look at outside of North Dakota and ended up in the oil field um, service company business where I ended up being the director of training for that company for a few years. Popped into active duty for a year and a half during the second Gulf War as a, a reservist and then <clears throat> started a financial consulting company, ran that for three or four years. Until 2009, which was a bad year to be in finance. Sure, and, sure. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, and then back in North Dakota, we sold our family business back up that there in 2012, kind of at the peak of the oil boom, and that allowed me to come back to Colorado and really kind of look for interesting ventures to get involved in. Which one of them was massage school. Um, a friend of mine that I knew back in Denver from my time of living here had a uh, I knew that kind of casually knew the guys and they came up and produced, uh, showed me a plan on how to expand the school and start a massage schools in Costa Rica. Let's put it that way. Start out with, so they put a little context in the school. So it's a unique school. It's in Costa Rica. It's a live on campus. It's a four month program, four to six month program, depending on what you sign up for. And the plan then was to open up a massage school in Thailand. And so I was like, Oh, I'm interested in learning about it. And so that's how I got into the massage school business. Okay. And then how long, uh, how long ago has that been that you've been, uh, you know, I guess more actively involved in the, in the business? You know, actually, I think it was probably when I first started talking to him, like 2013, I think is when I first um, was entertaining okay. the idea. And then okay. um, <clears throat> by the time that I ended up, you know, helping him develop a expansive marketing plan and a growth plan. And then I put some money into the company and, and started helping him uh, as a coach and a and a financer. Okay, so this wasn't a case that you'd had a lifelong dream to uh, own a massage school, was it? 
I, I guess not. No, no. I mean, my background was farming, ranching, industrial. Our the business we sold in North Dakota was industrial waste and in, in the oil treatment facility. So, uh, no, it wasn't wasn't really. I always enjoyed massage. Or something to have a massage, but it wasn't. <laughs> um, but I was been an athlete all my life, and you know, used massage for different to different times for different reasons. But no, it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't really on my radar. Um, understood. Understood. So, um, so um, my understanding is that you're thinking about uh, launching a podcast uh, for the uh, the massage school because you thought, you know, it might be a good marketing tool or a good way to, uh, you know, keep in touch with uh, various people who may have indicated some interest in the past. Um, so, what uh, what are your kind of some of your thoughts on the, uh, you know, on, on what made you first think about it or well, you know, really, I mean, I, I like to. I think of myself as an early adopter, and, and I like always looking for something new or different to get ahead of the, um, get ahead of the curve. And I'm a Jay Abraham's fan, who, you know, sure. is always looking at other industries for marketing ideas that aren't going on in their industry, and, and crushes it all the time with his, with his thinking. I've met the guy a few times, and he's crazy interesting. Um, so I, you know, in that respect, I'm looking at how you know how to you know differentiate us and as a company, and but also in the way we market and collect people. We're in a pretty competitive environment. The you know, we we can market nationwide because we're in one location in Costa Rica, <clears throat> so we compete with local schools competing for local um, students, and our students can basically come from anywhere in the world, and mm-hmm. so it gives a unique, unique problem. For marketing spend because SEO is really tough when you're trying to do a national SEO campaign on the small. Oh, the small. sure. And yeah. I, and I, my research, I said, you know, podcasts can really boost your SEO because it gives you all these powerful backlinks. And so I said, hey, this is something we've got to do. And um, that started my research. I found you, and you know, I got the other team working on the team working on other other avenues. And so. Um, yeah, the, really, it's just the genesis of get the word out and increase SEO, and um, you know, spread the word about what we do. Okay, well, that yeah, that that makes perfect sense. And um, you may recall that when we first started talking, I suggested that you uh, go complete our scorecard uh, to help you. And we designed this scorecard, by the way, for the listeners, the website is www.youryourpodcastscore.com. And what we, the purpose of it really is to help people kind of do a first assessment on whether they're a very good fit. And uh, I was just going to add up your score here really quick. You had a pretty high score, 17, 28. 37, 47, 49, 59, 61, 70. So you had a 72 out of 96, which is a really uh, a high score. What I'd like to do is just to kind of drill in on uh, on uh, a few of those eight questions. And what we find is just talking about the scorecard. So in many ways, what we're doing here, just live on the podcast, would be a conversation that we you know, typically have with somebody who's considering a, a podcast. So please, you know, consider this an opportunity to ask me any questions or brainstorm. And I think our listeners who are considering a podcast will find the exercise to be uh, to be interesting. So for the first question, we have a question called podcast listening, 
because I've discovered that people who really don't listen to podcasts, it's hard for them to even grasp having a podcast. I say it's like somebody who's never watched a TV show or seen a TV to do TV advertising. It just, it just wouldn't click with them. So um, out of a score of, uh, of 12, you, uh, you were a nine in the statement that you're sort of right on the cusp between I occasionally listen to podcasts when something triggers me or I regularly uh, listen to podcasts. So um, uh, could you just uh, talk a bit more about that? Do you, do you listen uh, very much to podcasts or is it just more of uh, just when something particular strikes you? Yeah, you know, I, I do a lot of audiobooks, so it's always a, t- a tug of war. And uh, oh, sure, the podcasts are always relative, and, the, and I get friends that send me, "Hey, this is a good podcast." And my wife is probably a, a much more avid podcast listener. She has her her folks that she likes to listen to, and so I get the clip notes. Okay, <laughs> good podcast that she listens to. Um, and I was also, you know, I mean, it's like, I'm kind of obsessive too. So if I get into a podcast and it's like, oh, I gotta listen to another one. And so I'm a little careful with getting too immersed in it, but I do find that if I really want to learn and deep dive into a subject, then I'll go look for a podcast of someone I respect or is well known because I know I'm going to get a, so much more information out of an hour, hour and a half podcast of a deep, deep interview than I am from a 15 minute, two minute news clip or TV, which is. So I, I, mean, I got a, re- a lot of respect for for the podcast um, genre, <clears throat> and I do I do and I, when I'm really looking for up to date, accurate um, information, I'll, I'll go find a podcast from a from a national podcaster. Okay, well, yeah, I think that makes uh, that makes perfect sense. And, um, and so, even though you're not maybe as avid as your wife, you certainly have a familiarity with the platform and an appreciation for the platform. And uh, and it sounds like really the only reason that you might not listen to more is just because you're also a big fan of audio books and uh, they kind of fill the, the same sort of space, right? Because you don't need to be in front of your computer. You don't need to be uh, visually uh, attentive. Uh, so that that sounds like the uh, kind of the summary of where you are as a podcast listener. Yep, yep. So the next question that we have talks about lifetime value, and we we basically have you know kind of four uh, quadrants where we talk about you know the, the value of a client, and you um, and those are basically uh, you know below a thousand as far as again the lifetime value of an individual client, uh, one thousand to ten thousand, uh, ten thousand to twenty thousand, and then over twenty thousand dollars. And you'd answered that one on a on a twelve, uh, so at the high end. And so I'm guessing that means that uh, because your school, uh, yeah, I'm guessing that uh, tuition is not you know like you know twelve dollars or something. I'm guessing it's a, a more substantial <laughs> amount. Is that a fair assumption? Yeah, when I took over the school um, in 2012 or 14, um, I think our tuition was around eleven five, eleven thousand five hundred. Okay, and we had pretty much one program. And so I went to work and developed some new programming, or I should say I I tasked my director of education to come up with some new programming. I expanded the program from 500 hours to 700 hours, added another 100-hour course, started the yoga teacher training school. And so if someone someone wants to do what we call our ultimate package, they can do the massage school, they can do 
a Asian modalities class where they learn um, some Asian modalities, and then they can also take the younger teacher training, and that whole package would run around twenty one, twenty two thousand dollars. Okay. Forty sixty percent will do that full package. So our average dollar sale is around twenty twenty thousand dollars all in, and then um, we have you know continuing ed- continuing education classes that also you know bring in some revenue and keep the campus busy. So yeah, I would say like you know they can they do the course it's twenty, and then they can come back and do additional trainings. We try to bring in top level massage school massage trainers and facilitators to do additional trainings for the students and um so yeah we have a big ticket item and in, in, uh our sales cycle runs from two weeks to two years some people sign up find it and they'll in and some people find it and watch it for two years and then finally decide to jump in so it's a it's a high ticket yeah. item yeah and and the reason that that question matters is to just give people an idea that we find it typically cost, uh, you know, around $10,000 a year to have a monthly podcast. And so what we find is that, you know, if you, if you're selling, uh, you know, like t-shirts, let's say on the internet, uh, then you'd have to really sell a lot of t-shirts to be able to, to financially justify the podcast. But in your case, that if you know if you did this for two years and you you found one new client from it, that you basically broke even on it. So that's why we that's why that that question is there. We find that people who the lifetime value of a client is uh, you know is, is pretty substantial. That the the podcast makes uh, tends to make more economic sense for. So uh, on that, I just wanted to ask you about the school. So what uh, other than being in Costa Rica, what are some of the other uh, kind of differentiators that you find that uh, that students are attracted to your school as opposed to uh, to others. I, I understood that or understand that some of it is that your your uh, your process start to finish may be more uh, efficient than some other schools. Is that is my understanding correct on that? Yeah, we, I think our we our philosophy is like an immersive, high intensity training as you know program. So. <clears throat> We do we do try to do our best to make sure that the students understand that you're not taking a four month vacation in Costa Rica and it's sitting here in the classroom for seven hours a day and then you do massages at night and so it's really an immersive training. So if you're in the military and they want to teach you a language, they don't put you on a weekend, uh, send you to school on the weekends. They send you for a month to an mm-hmm. intensive training immersive program and in a month you can be fluent in a language and so. We feel that translates well in the massage because for four months you live, breathe massage and um, just don't really have those distractions that you have in a year-long program where you're working a second job and doing different things there. You're just doing massage. So when they come out, when our students graduate, and I think we still have a record of we haven't had one of our students ever fail their exam to get their license. Oh, wow. And... I don't know, it's 14 years now. I think the school's been active <clears throat> and no one's ever not passed the first go on the test. So yeah. we know. Go ahead. Yeah, so we know that that way we train them, teach them that they, they leave with the knowledge. And we get feedback from, I get other, I get spas calling me quite regularly saying, hey, do you have any graduates coming up because we love so-and-so and there's, you know, and that's what we think we produce a, a, 
a mature, ready to go to work massage therapist when we graduate them. And we don't have, we, to be honest, we have, we have about a 10% fail rate. Okay. Um, and so what, what does that translate to? Like how many, uh, uh, sounds like you've got about 60 students and some of them are career changers. Some are, you know, coming from like corporate America, uh, looking for better quality of life. Some are maybe underemployed where they're, you know, maybe, maybe working a minimum wage job. And then some of them, uh, surprisingly enough, uh, just view it as kind of a life experience uh, type of thing. And that sounds like about 15% or so. Uh, did that kind of summarize the the situation with your typical uh, uh, classes each year? Yeah, absolutely. And then the ages range from, you know, 19 to 60. So it's, it's a really diverse. Uh, okay. So hey, I'm just curious, um, like say you have somebody who's 19 years old and they're like working a minimum wage job uh, and they, and they go to their parents and they say, Hey, mom, dad, if you spend, if you send me to Costa Rica for four months, this will be way better than, me, you know, sending me to four years of college and then me working at Starbucks. Uh, what, uh, like what, what are kind of the economics of that? Does it, does it tend to pay back pretty quickly if somebody is currently like in a minimum wage job? What are the kind of the stats around that? You know, if you, if you look at the stats online, I think the, it's kind of an average between 30, 38,000 to, you know, 50 or 60,000. Okay. And, you know, so if, if uh, different areas have different rates, you know, I mean, smaller rural areas are 60 bucks an hour and some places in Colorado are 100 to 100 and a quarter an hour. Um, there's some really interesting, like, they have this uh, app that you can order a massage, kind of like an Uber. Oh, yeah. Uh, you want a massage in two hours, you just go on the app, push the button, and <clears throat> someone shows up in, two, in Colorado someone shows up in a couple hours for a massage. So it's um, a lot of students go to that, that route. And so, yeah, I think the economics are pretty good. I mean, it's, it's compared to, um, and, and flexibility in time. And, and so they do to a, a couple massages a day. It's a couple hundred bucks a day. Um, they get serious and open up their space and build their clientele. And, you know, it's not, it, it's not hard to, um, you know, really have a decent, uh, you know, $50,000 a year career, job um in, in the massage world yeah no i could see where so if i'm just doing the math i mean if somebody's making say ten dollars an hour uh you know that'd be twenty thousand dollars a year and so here in four months time their uh their earning ability can roughly double or triple in uh you know in in four months so that's pretty uh that's a pretty uh transformative uh, experience economically isn't it yeah and i would say like when you when we talk to our students after they get they get the education and they get the skills and the tools to be you know very effective massage therapist but everybody always has some transformational growth through that process of living away for four months in a foreign country adapting to culture the struggles of keeping up with the pace of the of the curriculum and, you know, people, anytime you go into some type of personal, any type of, it's going to make you grow. You often get things you weren't planning on getting. <clears throat> and a lot of our students come out saying that they changed their life. Oh. That's, uh, that's awesome. 
Yeah, that that is awesome. Well, let's let's uh, continue through with the scorecard, if we may. So we have another question on here that where we kind of try to get a sense of how many people, how many names somebody has in a like a contact relationship management or a, a CRM system. And our questions basically at the low end, it's uh, or the low end of the the scale, it's somebody that who really doesn't have any email addresses. Uh, all the way up to people that you know have an actual CRM and have more than 500 names in there. So your answer to that was a 12 out of 12. So I'm guessing you've got more than 500 people in your database. Is that a is that a safe assumption? Yeah, I would say we're easily you know in the 25,000 range of over the years. <clears throat> I, you know, databases age out, but I'd say we generate about 3,000 to 4,000 leads a year. Okay. Our school, and so you know, say five years we're active, um, still receiving emails. So yeah, I mean, fifteen thousand um, uh, would be a fair amount that we can actually email. That's that's great. And some people will ask me; they'll say, well, "Why why does the the email list matter?" Because I'm just uh, we use purely uh, you know organic traffic and uh, you know pay per click ads. Uh, you know, like why would the size of my email list matter? And we tell them that, and we've seen this firsthand ourselves. You know, when you're on a platform like LinkedIn or Facebook or, or Google, uh, you don't really own your future. And uh, when you're relying on those third parties to assist you in growth, you're. It's always a. I shouldn't say always. It can be a tenuous. Uh, situation. Whereas we've found that when you have a solid email list of people who genuinely are interested in your topic and they don't mind hearing from you periodically with useful information, (laughs) we find that the ability to own that list can be really powerful. And so the idea is that if somebody's doing one podcast a month and it's on a subject that your uh, audience would find interesting and you send a short email to them uh, just you know, letting them know that that podcast episode's available, uh, and then with just maybe a PS that says, you know, hey, if you're you know if you're ever interested in get getting started, you know, here's kind of the the next step, or you know, here's a, a guide or, or another resource for you. And so that's why we find that that size of the email list is so important. So how does this, how does that uh, philosophy kind of mesh with with you know sort of your marketing? Do you see value in being able to you know, email the database periodically in a kind of non-annoying fashion. Yeah, that's always the struggle. You know, the the old newsletter, weekly newsletter thing is that <laughs> you never get sure, there. and uh, eventually gets canceled because you know. So I, I thought that you know, to what really motivates I think our students to take that leap because it's quite a big thing to do is pack up your house and everything and find some place for your dog and. And sure. for four months, it's not a small decision. It's not a small purchase. And so um, when but when people, you know, one of the ideas we have for, if you ask me, I'm jumping ahead, but, you know, to interview our past students and their experience there and their experience afterwards and um, their, their career now, I think could be really compelling for um, someone that's interested or someone that has a friend or relative that's been talking about it. You know, I think that's where that outreach can really um can you know be be more more impactful? Mm-hmm. I would agree, and and I even wonder if 
even maybe the parent of a uh, of a past student uh, might even be an interesting interview uh, because I'm sure you've got at least one one example of somebody was you know 19 20 years old and you know maybe not on a uh, on the ideal career path you know living with their parents and you know the the parents you know take this you know shot to send them down there and it really transforms the kid's life and you know they kind of get their act together if you will uh, do you, do you think you would have some success stories like that and maybe even some parents who might be interested yeah i mean i, I hadn't thought about that but that's a really great idea um to to get the perspective from the parents who typically are the ones investing in this education um for a lot of the younger students and finding their um their satisfaction levels and i mean that could be a whole other audience to market to as parents with kids that are a bit adrift and looking for something to bite into and a meaningful career um mm-hmm. brilliant idea i'll make sure we, we add that to our list of potential um, interviews okay well that's well good i'm glad that's that's helpful and that's kind of the idea of these sort of brainstorming sessions yeah so and, and it also struck me that you even could have uh, potentially an employer on there because you've mentioned that you've got some high-end spas that you get calls from periodically you know, looking for one of your students because they really like them it strikes me if you had uh uh, somebody from one of those spas on talking about like why they like your students so much. Uh, that might be a, uh, a, uh, you know, a useful episode to have as well. Yeah, I think that's great. I, I could think of some people right now that I talk to occasionally that, um, you know, would, would be happy to have a conversation about that. Yeah. And what I find is, you know, is that it's, it's a little bit of a, I call it kind of a superpower of having a podcast. So I've had a podcast for a couple of years on a specialty tax subject that one of my other businesses is involved in. And then this new podcast, Podcasting Stories, that this interview is for, is really just focused on people who have a podcast or thinking about a podcast. And the and I just completely lost my train of thought. Uh, that's what I get for uh, for for digressing. Uh, but but it will, uh, it, it will it will come back. So we were talking about the spa owner uh, interviews. Oh, what I was going to say, the superpower is that when you invite somebody to be a guest on your podcast, because podcasts are still pretty rare, all in all, compared to the number of YouTube videos and blogs and other things that. It's so interesting because when you invite somebody, they act a little bit like you said, hey, I don't know if you know Courtney, but I'm guest hosting the Tonight Show next week. Would you like to swing by and hang out for a few minutes? Uh, it's kind of like in their brain, it goes in the same spot. And so it's really surprising how excited people are to be on your podcast. It's like they're, it's, they're getting their 15 minutes of fame all of a sudden via your podcast. And the other thing it does that'll be really helpful for you is when you're talking to to uh, you know any type of like a a uh, a spa owner or somebody who's hiring, and you tell them, oh by the way, our email list is over twenty thousand names, and that's twenty thousand people who don't know anything about your company, who you'll be getting some exposure to. Uh, we find that with a email list that large people will be almost salivating to uh, to come on your show and you even could have other like vendors to the to the industry like a company that makes massage tables or or other accessories oils or what other items 
you might find with an audience like that, you may find that somebody like that might be very excited about being on the show. You might even be able to uh, actually charge them if you if you wanted to kind of like a uh, an appearance fee. Because think about it, if somebody sells massage tables and they have a chance to come on your show for an hour and for, you know, for a few hundred dollars, they have access to 20,000 people, you know, they might find that to be a very uh, compelling value proposition. And with a, a, a list, you're large, you're as large as yours, you might even be able to create some revenue from it. Yeah, that's a great avenue to explore. I think that um, um, given the number of massage therapists out there and the, you know, we did a, a partnership with uh, Rock Tape a couple of years ago where we they supply the rock tape to us and we do a, a certified rock tape training. Kinetic tape, um, if you're not familiar with, it's a tape you see on athletes. In the, oh, yeah, the KT tape. Yeah, KT tape. K, rock tape came out as a competitor, the KT tape. I see. And um, the, one of the gyms I, the gym I used to go to, um, one of the key key executives was a member there. And, and so anyway, we got to be friends and ended up being, you know, doing, adding rock tape training into our program. So our students also come out certified rock tapers. Or oh, tapers. wow. Yeah. And, you know, and I, could, I was going to just say, and I could even imagine we've had some clients that have actually launched, they've, they've asked us to help them launch multiple podcast you know, shows. And so if this thing, you know, kind of took off, you could even have a show, you know, one geared toward people considering going to massage school or the parents of them. You can theory have another podcast focused on current uh, masseuses and like a show like that would lend itself to, I think, advertising and some of these other guests, you know, basically everything that could make a a current masseuse's life better. Now, I guess the problem with that would be the benefit to you all from a monetization. How 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 many students have you ever had come who did not get their uh, original massage training from you all? Is that a, is that pretty rare when that happens, or is it typically only are those follow on classes typically just from your uh, alumni? No, we we most of our classes we do are continuing education classes are are not alumni. Oh, okay. Uh, some are, you know, but but I'd say the majority are not, and that's um, so that's a whole other you know market of existing massage therapists. And believe it or not, we have licensed massage therapists that come back and take our whole course because they hear they've heard about the um, they run into one of our students and. They go, I didn't learn that, and I didn't know that, and so they say they see a gap in their education and come back and are wow, best in the whole other curriculum just because of you know the, the way we do our training and, and the and the depth of our training. So that's not uncommon. It's probably happens three or four times a year. We have massage therapists repeating their education to, to just up their game. Wow, that is that is really uh, really interesting. I would not have have guessed that. Um, so, and that actually takes us to, uh, to our, our, our next question, which is uh, on the scorecard, which is the guest list. And to give you an, an example, so at the one extreme, the uh, statement is, I don't know who I would invite to be a guest on a podcast. And at the other end, 
the the statement is I can think of at least 12 people who would immediately say yes to being a guest. And your answer was 11 out of 12. And I'm guessing based on our conversation today, you might even call that 12 out of 12 as you are thinking about either even additional guests. Is that is that about right? Um, yeah, maybe a 13, I guess. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah, 13 is good. Yes, and this matters because we find that that there's really a number of factors that really need to line up for a podcast to make sense. And, you know, that's another one of them, right? They can have a big database of people to send it to. They can be an avid podcast listener. They could be selling a high-ticket item. But if for whatever reason they they're just maybe kind of very introverted or they've just always kind of been behind the scenes to where they really wouldn't have anybody to invite, we find that's really kind of a of a of a big obstacle to having a podcast. So it's really important that you've got a you know a personality such that you would uh, um, you know th- th- that you know folks and don't seem to have any qualms about reaching out to people uh, to be on the podcast. And I'm just curious, would your plan be for you to be the host or would you kind of have somebody else on the team be the host or would you, would it be kind of a rotating thing? Have you given that any thought? Yeah, I have given a thought and I've talked to my staff about it and, um, you know, I've got, you know, good staff. So I really have, that's something we could talk about because I'm, you know, being my background is not in massage, you know, I'm in business and, Mm -hmm massage although um you know i do enjoy talking <laughs> to people and and so i think it'd be a combination i think there'd be like depending on the guest if it's more um you know about i would use my my director of education to talk to another massage therapist about, therapist about a technique or if they're talking technical massage you know obviously she'd be the one for that if i'm talking to the rock tape guy that may be you know um, more my alley. So I, I think it'd be a combination. I think I would look for, you know, identify the guest. If it was an alumni, I'd use the person that was on the ground while they were there so they could um, share stories and memories of what they encountered while they were at the school. So I, I think, I mean, and that which really makes it much broader because then if we have four people that can actually conduct an interview or go on a, someone else's show, then, you know, it just gives us so many more opportunities to to get our get our message out yeah and that's a really good point and i'll be honest this isn't something that that we have really thought much about but if you have but because one of the benefits of having a podcast is you now can become a guest on other people's podcasts and so we've discovered like if there's a podcast you'd really like to be a guest on then um the best way would be to invite that host to be a guest on your podcast first and then some portion of the time they'll reciprocate. But if you have four different interviewers, in theory, that increases 4x the number of podcasts that you guys could be on, right? Because all of you, you know, the, the whole four would be able to, you know, reach out to people independently and say, hey, you know, I'm, a, I'm one of the hosts on this podcast. And, you know, would you be interested in being on or would you be interested in having me as a guest? So, uh, so that's an angle that might be helpful as well. And one of the benefits of having the multiple uh, guests or multiple hosts. Yeah, I imagine you would have to have two, two hosts and one guest um, or two guests and one host too. I mean, I, I imagine. You're right. 
you're right. You sure you sure could could do that as well. The other way that we find the podcast can be used is if you have like a key hire or key promotion, it's kind of a great way to announce it to the world. And you wouldn't believe what that does for kind of the goodwill. So imagine if you, you know, if you had like a former student who, uh, who came back and decided to start teaching and, uh, you could use that as a way to kind of announce that. And it does several things. One is it really, uh, that's that, uh, employee really appreciates the, the public recognition and the appreciation. And then it also is just kind of a different angle. So so that's another idea to think about are when you have uh, a key promotion or hire to kind of spotlight them. Is that something that you thought about before? Um, <clears throat> no, but I, as, as you say that, we're just in the process of expanding our, maybe more formalizing our relationships with our guest teachers Typically, what's another thing about our school is most schools have an owner who's the teacher, and that's what you get for the whole course. And mm-hmm. so we, we're able to search out, you know, the top talent, talented teachers to come down and teach a specific two-week section of our courses. So they get multiple teachers that are experts and well, well-known in their field to come in and, and give them really the best education. And... Um, we're looking to expand and possibly a second campus or to or we're kind of maxed out on our campus right now. So we're looking for opportunities to, to grow and to do that. We need more talent. So that's a beautiful way to entice them to, um, to make, get them more interested because they could be a guest on the show and we can talk about what we're trying to create and, and their histories. And so I think that's, a, um, that's really a great idea. And we have, we do have some students, that do come back and teach as assistant teachers or call you know, that, that are assistants in the classroom that love the school and love the experience and you know, are successful in their careers. And so that opens up a whole other group of people. I don't think one a month is going to do it, Dave. I think we're going to have to do more than one a month. It, it, it kind of, it kind of sounds like it. And in fact, that comes to a, a great question that people have. We, we, uh, our service, uh, so for my original podcast, I was doing about two episodes a month, you know, one to two. But for this new podcast, Podcasting Stories, we're on a weekly cadence. And so people have asked me, hey, you know, what what uh, cadence do we want? And our usually our recommendation is is uh, air to the side of starting uh, with once a month. And then as you get the hang of it, if you want to increase it, feel free to do so. And here's why we recommend it. I don't know if you've ever listened to, so there's an interesting podcast stat that really surprises a lot of people. So there's roughly 50 billion YouTube videos. There's 2 billion websites. There's 600,000 blogs, but there's only 1.7 million podcasts. But of that 1.7 million, 1.1 million of them have not released a new episode in the last 90 days. And of the remaining 600,000, only half of them have broken the 10 episode barrier. So we tell people that literally, if you release a podcast a month for 10 months, you're in the top 25% of the rarest form of, of uh, online content. And so if you've ever come anyway, that term when companies stop releasing or podcasts stop releasing new episodes, the term is called podcast fade. 
Now, I don't know if you've ever seen this with a podcast that you discover and then you're like, hey, this is pretty good. I want to go back and like start at the beginning. And you go back and you're looking on your podcast player and you see, oh, yeah, they launched back in 2016 and they did they were doing an episode every two weeks. And then it went to an episode a month and then it went to an episode a quarter and then it went to two a year and then it was one. And, and that was in 2018 and there haven't been any since. So whereas, and that just creates kind of a, of a vibe that has a negative connotation. So to me, it's much better if somebody's looking at kind of your history and you're like, okay, so they were doing one a month. Okay. That's good. Pretty consistent. And then, wow. Then they started doing them every three weeks and then every two weeks. So, wow, they must've really kind of gotten in the swing of this. It just has a whole different vibe. Um, but the good news is it's not like you have to announce to the world your podcast frequency. So it's something you can just easily vary. And that's the other nice thing about a podcast as opposed to like a radio show is you don't have to get anyone's permission. Your podcast can be on any subject. It can be as short or as long as you want. Your release schedule can be as frequently as long as you want. Uh, but that's why we generally recommend um, starting with one, one a month. But I've got to tell you, probably 20% of our clients start right off with two per month. And we certainly don't mind that because it's a, you know, it's a, it's a higher monthly fee. So we never mind collecting more money than less. But the last thing we want is somebody to start with two uh, a month and then they kind of lose their momentum and then they start to have this kind of negative association with the whole podcast. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And I, when I did some research on in the size genre for podcasts, I did see that a lot. There'd be like two or three podcasts. And I'd look at the date and it was like, oh, that was in 2019. Right. The last podcast. So, so you wonder what happened to the person. Are they still in business or, you know, what happened? And so as we're thinking about all these different topics and different ways to talk about um, these things, it makes me wonder, like, does it, should it all go under one channel if that's the right term or do you like what do you call this you know this costa rica school massage is like kind of it seems to me too narrow for what's possible or mm -hmm. do you like come on up with the right name or did you do one multiple channels under the same name so not know you know much about the structure uh, that's kind of that's a question for you like how how would you structure something that has as many yeah ways? that's a great question that's a great question so there's a few ways you can approach it so the technical term is a show so you have a podcast show that has episodes underneath it so like for my podcast show it's called podcasting stories and then we release episodes so there's a few things you could do one is is you could just start with just calling it uh, the Costa Rica Massage School podcast. Is that the technical name of the business? Is it Costa Rica Massage School? Yeah. 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 So you you could just start with that and then just have it be kind of a generic sort of subject. And then you could always evolve it. You could always, um, uh, if you then decide, you know what, we need something that's more specific it's real simple. And let's say you want one that's focused more on on current masseuses, people who already have their license and you're focused on trying to attract them to come teach or take, you know, continuing education. Well, you could, in essence, just have a, a spinoff show, uh, you know, called something like, uh, you know, you know, the, <laughs> the, the ultimate uh, pod, uh, the ultimate masseuses podcast resource or something like that. And then you could just kind of shift that focus 
Um, and then if you just dis- and then you could also, if you ended up with the massage or the podcast related to the school that you just decided, you know, that doesn't really like work that well. And we, we don't necessarily want the podcast to necessarily be tied to the school. We'd rather have the school kind of being like the advertiser on it. You could always just like, you know, cease that podcast. And what you would do is like the last episode you would do, you would just point them to like the new show that kind of replaces it. Or finally, you could even, you could even go back and just rebrand the show. That's a little trickier to do. But uh, the short answer is what we find is like a lot of new experiences. Just start somewhere and then iterate because, and I know as a serial entrepreneur, you know this concept, right? You, the business you start with oftentimes isn't the business you end up with, you know, a year later. And I think you may find the same thing with a podcast. Does that make sense? I didn't mean to give such a long answer. No, I think that makes sense. I guess the podcast that's done is a hundred times better than the podcast you're thinking about. <laughs> that's a, a great way to, to put it. And the other way we put it is the podcast that is good enough that's done is way better than the ultimate uh, that's not done. So just for example, so we do our interviews on a recorded call-in phone line just because it's simple. It's straightforward. You don't have technological challenges with it. And um, uh, and that's what we do. But there's some people, like if they came from a sound engineer background or they had done like voiceover acting for decades, you know, they would say, well, no, that's an insufficient platform. You know, you know, we would want it to be like what we would call NPR quality, where you're recording you know, in a sound studio with thousand dollar microphones. And uh, and that's what, you know, what we consider you know, acceptable. And so it's kind of the same thing there that that's what I think throws off a lot of people from podcasting is when you start researching it, you get, you get overwhelmed with what kind of microphone do I need? And do I need to be in a studio? Do I need to build a studio? And so you end up never launching. And so uh, like you'd said, a good enough podcast that launches is better than a theoretically a perfect podcast that never launches. Yeah, I agree 100%. And I, this is a personal question for you, but do you ever get used to the sound of your own voice? No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to listen to this because I'm going to hear myself going like, oh. You know. Yeah, you know, everybody, I've discovered that everybody is like that. And I've learned that there's a physiological reason for it. It's just the way you hear the sound inside your own head just it sounds different than it does to the rest of the world. And, you know, we've heard our voice inside our own head all these years, and then we're all oftentimes shocked at what it sounds like. So I've yet to meet anyone who, who uh, loves the sound of their own voice. I'm, you know, perhaps there's somebody who's, you know, been a, an actor from a young age or, or, or somebody like that who is more familiar with their voice and, and maybe they're so, uh, so self, uh, absorbed that they've fallen in love with their own voice. But aside from that, no, I've never found that. It, I think what happens over time is you, you, you just kind of come to peace with your voice that you just, there's like, Hey, this is my voice. This is, it's a reflection of my age, the part of the world I grew up in, uh, other genetic, uh, and biological things. And this is just it. And, uh, I'm going to just embrace it. This is, you know, just like my appearance or my height or my age. 
it's just an, uh, inherent to who I am. And, uh, so I've found that, that I've, it's, I'm more uh, accepting of it. Maybe it's a better way to, put it. And, and the other thing we also recommend that when you start a podcast that for the first, you know, four or five episodes that you are the host on to force yourself to go back and re-listen to them because there's so much learning you'll discover in terms of, you know, things you wish you'd done differently. You, you talked too long. You didn't give people, you know, you, you didn't give them long enough to answer a question. You interrupted them. Uh, and so, and that's about what I did for my first five episodes. And then since then, I don't listen that frequently to them because I heard an actor once say, when he asked if he ever watches his own movies and he said, no, he's like, I spent a year making that movie. I know every scene forward and backwards. Like I've already been there. Like there's nothing new for me. I'd rather watch somebody else's. And so that's what our advice is typically just, you know, force yourself to listen four or five times just to get the, you know, to improve. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Makes sense. But I would say I probably haven't really accepted my age or my height either. <laughs> <laughs> it might be a while for the voice. <laughs> well, you know, maybe you can just kind of leapfrog it. Maybe, maybe you can reach voice acceptance first, and then you can kind of go back and get retroactive peace uh, with the rest of it. <laughs> but I should be careful here. I'm not a licensed therapist, so uh, so so. Uh, Courtney, what um, do you have any other questions for me? I've kind of covered uh, most of the questions that I had, but you've got me on the phone. There's no um, there's no time limit. No producers telling me that you know, we need to wrap it up. Uh, do you have any other questions or any other ideas around this? You want to just brainstorm with me? Yeah, I mean, I think the last part of this call was really helpful. You know, as far as brainstorming additional guests and ways to to who to talk to that would be interesting for. The, the audience um and you know i guess in my mind i'm seeing like a big storyboard with like you know who we would want to put on the show and who would be the best person and and um is there a tool or a you know system that you have found successful for a, a company to kind of plan their year out or plan six months ahead. Uh, I can see doing three podcasts in one day and be done for three months. Sure. Sure. Yeah. So that's a great question. So usually what we'll, what we offer to do and not everybody takes us up on it. And at this point we, 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 we still have this capacity, but I'd be happy to just schedule like a brainstorming call, like with you and your team, you know, for like a half an hour, just focus like on this specific topic. And because you're only talking about 12 to 24 um, episodes a year that we can find that just just some quick brainstorming and a whiteboard or a notepad that you can uh, really make a lot of uh, progress on kind of figuring out that guest list. And then the stretch goal we have for our clients is that if you can do an episode a month for four years, you know, that gets you to 50 episodes. And then you're talking about you're really in rarefied air. Because the thing about a podcast, when you look at, because the, unless you're like one of the top podcasts in the world, nobody knows what your listening stats are. It's not like publicly available. You're able to see your own stats. So no one really knows, again, outside like the top 100, you know, Joe Rogan, Tim Ferriss, you know, the big ones, no one really knows the size of the audience. And, and that, and that means that you have the, the ability 
to to really kind of do whatever you want. But but the one thing though, because nobody knows the size of your audience, and you start looking at status, if you will, or kind of a pecking order, it all comes down to number of episodes released and uh, regularity of releasing. Because you know there are podcasts that uh, you know that have hundreds or thousands of episodes, and and we have this intentional uh, uh, belief that this is a successful podcast. Uh, and so we tell our clients that, you know, if you, if you really want to kind of have a stretch goal and you make kind of a, of a soft four year commitment in 50 episodes, and then just, you know, kind of get a, you know, put together a, a whiteboard and just have 50, uh, 50 rows and you, know, you just kind of start with episode number and then you just start playing with, uh, and then you can have columns that are like, you know, the different categories of guests and you just start kind of jotting names in and you'd be surprised how quickly that can, can uh, you know, start to fill up. Because again, like you may not want to have like the Kate, you may not want to have like a tape person on like more than one time in the 50 episodes, uh, right? Because you don't want it to feel like just some infomercial. But when you start thinking in those categories, you'd be surprised how quickly. So the short answer is, uh, yeah, we have a process that we're happy to walk you through, just kind of a brainstorming to uh, put that together. Yeah, that sounds great. I think that, I mean, there was some trepidation with the with the team on like, hey, we're going to do, <laughs> when I started out, so I want to do four a month or two a week was my initial mm-hmm. like, spirit. <laughs> and they came back with the answer. Well, I think we can get one out in July. This was July. <laughs> <laughs> like either I'm not thinking about this right or they're not. So um, this has been a really interesting journey for me to, you know, kind of dive into it and see what the world is. And I was shocked at the stats of, of like how fast the shows fade and how really not that hard it will be to make, to get up into the top 25% and, and really increase our brand recognition Um by just being consistent with, you know, production. And um, so it's, it's really, really clarified, you know, that you know, with me, the vision, you know, is very, is doable, much more doable than, than we originally thought when five people are talking about a podcast that don't really know anything about it in the, in the sense of the industry and stats and the things. Sure. So um, <clears throat> it's been a good, uh, good education and, and I'm, I'm actually like a lot more excited now than I was before the call. <laughs> well, that's, that's great. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's funny. We uh, uh, are kind of with this, this business, we, in this, and I don't know if I told you, this is a relatively new business. We, uh, you know, I've had a podcast for a couple of years and every time I'd have a guest on, they'd say, wow, I sure wish I had my own podcast. And I would just kind of say to them, yeah, it's a great thing. I recommend, you know, having a podcast, but then nobody like ever did anything. And so a few months ago, I reached out to some former guests and said, Hey, if we did everything for you, would that help you have a podcast? And the answer was a resounding yes. So, uh, so we just, we just started this a few months ago and the, the response has been pretty, um, pretty amazing. But what we've discovered is is uh, anytime we have, and I'm kind of sharing the trade secrets here, but when we have somebody who's interested in having a podcast, I usually just say, hey, don't think too much more about it. Just come be a guest on the podcast. You can kind of see how everything works. 
and then they'll give you a better idea. And I really thought that that what would happen is like maybe one out of 10 people who were a guest would become a client. And that's still good. It still gives me content. But it's uh, now I'm going to probably jinx myself when I say this, but so far, most of the people who come on the podcast end up becoming a client. So uh, so your uh, your response is not. And of course, you haven't definitively made a decision, but uh, or at least you haven't shared it with me. But uh, uh, but yeah, so so the point is you coming on the show has accomplished exactly what we hoped it would. It would give you a taste of it. And I don't know if you've seen our tagline is where having a podcast is as easy as being a guest on our podcast. So if we can't have you as a guest, it's hard for people to understand how that tagline works. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah, it really does make it seem quite easy to call someone you know and say, we're going to talk about massage for an hour and they're like, okay. And then it's done, you know, so it's, it's, um, it does simplify, especially when you're like, we have a, our staff is pretty, pretty well employed right now doing what they're doing. And when I, when I say something like do two a week, they're like, I can't, <laughs> I can't do two a week. There's no way, you know, um, but now they could because it's two hours. So, or one hour a week. So, um, yeah, yeah, because just for you to know, the the process is really not much different than you being a guest. So the steps are really you uh, you schedule a guest, you know, so you've got to reach out and invite somebody. And usually they say yes. You get it on the calendar. Uh, we have a recorded call in line unique to each uh, client that we have. And so you would call in on that number just like you did today. And then your your, your guest calls in or your, your employee calls in as the, the host. And then you record the episode, and then as soon as you're done, a, you'll receive an automated email with a link to the recording and then a little uh, follow-up form that you fill out. And you just literally, I do it on my phone, you type in the guest name, and then there's a little button to hit record, and you record the intro for the episode. And so for this one, as soon as we hang up, I'm going to say, uh, you know, today on the Podcasting Stories, I had Courtney Krenz. Uh, he's got a great story. He's a serial entrepreneur. He owns um, a number of businesses, one of which is a massage studio or school in Costa Rica. And uh, he's considering having a podcast. And we had a great conversation on this. And it, uh, it was really interesting. I learned some things about the podcasting school world I didn't know about. And I'll just you know kind of read off some of the notes I made. And then I'll say, hey, I hope you enjoy you know, listening as much as I enjoyed doing this episode. And then I hit the button and then I'm done. And then the, the team behind the scenes does everything technically. And then the team creates the email that goes out to the database. So they actually take a transcript from that intro and then that creates the email. They send it over. I do just a quick review to make sure I don't want to change anything. And then uh, that email then gets sent from, uh, from our CRM. <laughs> and just so you know, uh, we have the option of we actually have a unique CRM partner that lets us have like sub accounts. And so for clients who don't have a real robust CRM, we actually will just do that emailing for them. Uh, but for those who have a more robust system, we'll just draft the email and let them send it out. Because what we don't want to have happen is we get to the finish line. It's time for the email to go out. 
And somebody says, oh, yeah, I think we use constant contact for those. I need to check my person because the person who used to do that doesn't work here anymore. We need to figure out how, how it is we send an email out. And we get to the last step and like, and it's, and it just sits for a month because they can't figure out how to get an email out. So, and then we, there's a website for the podcast. So you'll have, uh, uh, if you want, we can just have a website specific for the podcast. And then we will handle the uh, publishing and uploading of the shows to that uh, podcast or to that website. And then you can just link to that on your primary website if you want. Did that, I, I know I kind of, I, I uh, so I tell you when I, when I assess myself on this one, my self-criticism is going to be that I talk too much. Normally I like the guests to do you know, 80% of the talking and I know I'm way off balance. So was that helpful? Did that, did you have any questions on kind of like the process from, no, that was great. Great information. I mean, because that's always the the more I can, you know, take off the staff learning and if someone has to go figure that all out on top of their normal duties. That's that can pushes it back and back and back um, to you know July, <laughs> and uh, I think it's sure. coming up pretty quick now. So. Um, that was great information. It was good to hear the whole process and what happens with the uh, what you do for us to to get it out there and and makes it really. I mean, I can see if my time is involved in two hours getting set up, doing the call, and you know that's that makes it very uh, very doable. Yeah, and then the only other thing that that I didn't cover is that before we start recording, we usually. Uh, either have a we have have a pre-call that's just uh, offline and so that's how you and I did it or we can actually just do it on the recorded calling line and trim it I prefer to have it on a separate line just to be 100% certain that it doesn't accidentally get released and then as soon as we're done as soon as we hang up I literally will call you back for the post-call debrief so here people I'm, I'm sharing all the kind of behind the scenes on how this all works but uh, yeah, that's how it'll work. As soon as we hang up, I'll call you back on your mobile. I'll say, how'd I do? Hopefully you won't be too uh, too hard on me. And uh, hopefully you won't say, damn it, you talked the whole time. You never let me answer any questions. But uh, but we'll find out. So um, if people want to get a hold of you, Courtney, uh, what's the best way for someone to reach out? Either if they're interested in learning more about being a teacher or a student at your school, or they just think you're some amazing entrepreneur and they want to invest a bunch of money in you. Uh, how should people reach out to you? Now, if you're interested in learning more about the school directly, the website is uh, crsmt.com, Costa Rica School Massage, first letter, uh, .com. Or if you just search Google Costa Rica Massage School, we'll be right there. Um, me personally, my email address is just my name backwards, krenzcourtney at gmail.com. Um, that's usually the best way to, to get a hold of me and, um, or LinkedIn is another place where you can find me. Um, okay. And you accept friend requests on, on LinkedIn if they seem, uh, like it's worth, uh, worth your time. Sure. Sure. If you're not show, if you're not selling insurance, go ahead and friend me. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, Hey, well, with that, we're going to wrap up. And uh, Courtney, I really appreciate you being on the show, and I really appreciate how engaged you were and all the ideas you came to the to the episode with. And hopefully, it gave you a good sense of what it's uh, like to have your own podcast. 
Absolutely. Yeah, it was a pleasure to be on the show and it was fun. And, uh, and although I was a bit nervous, but I find it was really quite just like talking to someone across the table, having coffee. So, um, great experience and uh, appreciate the questions you asked and the, and really the ideas that we came up with that I hadn't even considered yet that, that I think are, are brilliant. So, uh, thanks. Thanks to you, David. Well, you're welcome. Well, I hope you have a, a great day then. And I will, like I said, I'll call you right back. Great. Sounds good. Thank you. All right. Bye. And there we have it. Another great episode. Don't forget to check out the show notes at www.podcastingstories.com. This podcast is brought to you by your podcast team. If you have ever considered having your own podcast, head over to www.yourpodcast.team to learn more about how they can help you. That's it for this episode. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you next time.